This week on the Drybar Comedy Podcast. Were you in a foreign country in the last three months that you could just be like, no. <laughs> if yeah. everyone started doing this, society might break down. I think I'm the bad guy of that story. I have yeah. a perfect role for yeah, you. Yeah, you find that you're typecast for the worst person in history. Yeah. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Dry Bar Comedy Podcast, the only podcast where you get to hang out with your favorite Dry Bar comedians, get to know them, and have some fun along the way. I'm one of your hosts, Jordan Macon, and I'm joined by... Taylor Nielsen, the other co-host. The other co-host. That's typically known. how the word the word co at the beginning. Should I just cut out my name and call myself the other co-host? The other, co- yeah, yeah. I think we know who the main host is. <laughs> no, uh, but today we have a very special guest, one of the dry bar favorites, I would say. And to introduce them, we're going to watch a clip from the special, and then we'll bring them into the show. So how about we uh, roll the tape? Let's do it. The most selfish thing that a human being can do is leave an empty shopping cart in a parking space. Yeah, if you've done that, shame on you. You're telling me you can meander two and a half miles inside Costco, and the moment you get to your vehicle, you're like, not another step. <laughs> Timed out my physical endurance down to this moment. Can't push it 20 feet, help everyone else out. That's why I don't even care. You guys can try this too. Uh, Every time I'm inside a grocery store, I take someone else's cart. (laughs) Do it, full of food, take it. It is so much faster. (laughs) And you get to try new things. (laughs) Do it, it's not wrong. Tell me how that's wrong. That's not stealing. What could they possibly even say to you? Excuse me, I gathered that. (laughs) Just say thanks and they can regather, you know the route. (laughs) And that's how I found out that I like hummus. You know what else is not stealing? Putting an extra bike lock on a stranger's bike. (laughs) It's insane that bike locks are legal, that they're just available to the public. You have any idea the amount of power that you wield (laughs) with your imagination in a bike lock? There's so many things. Like, you could just walk past a Baskin Robbins and be like, you're closed. There we go. All right. It's always fun to watch your own clips with <laughs> Never. <laughs> Especially when, like, five years have gone by and I now look like a before and after picture. <laughs> <laughs> well, that uh, brings us to our first guest. I'm going to do a little, a nice little intro for you. Hopefully, it's not, it's nice. Okay, guys. Well, you saw him on that clip. Let's give it up for the hilarious Drybar comedian who brought hundreds of millions of views to Drybar through his clip about bike locks and his special Composed. Uh, he's been on Conan, Jimmy Kimmel. Please welcome Kellen Erskine. 
Thanks for being here, Kellen. Hey, guys. <laughs> studio, where's the studio applause? I don't know. I thought it was queued up. The studio's so small. How are we going Oh, we got the... Pre- I don't know if you can see the producers clapping for you. Oh, thanks. Right now. <laughs> oh, nice. It's it soundproofed over there, so oh, we can't thumb- hear it. But. <laughs> we got a thumbs up, yeah. too. Um, well, th- thanks for being here. Thank Out of you. the clip, I just have to... Kellen and I were doing shows together. You weren't there, but Kellen and I were doing shows together in Tampa once. But you're telling me the the cart one especially, there were a bunch of mothers that were angry at you for saying that you shouldn't leave carts in yeah, stalls. It's, it's back, back when I used to read comments, um, <laughs> the, there would be a pretty consistent, the two negative ones would be, you know, the biggest one was angry parents who... Yeah, saw the clip and had to type in something like, I can't return the cart. I, I, I put my kids in the car. I don't want to abandon them. <laughs> and I spent way too many times typing in, like, I mean, just how'd you get the cart in the first place? Just <laughs> do that backwards, right? Like, there's no <laughs> there's no rule that said you had to put your kids in, right? The, the, to me, that's the selfish idea. You can put the food in the car, then take your kids with you to return it and teach them how not to be you. That's sort of my... <laughs> <laughs> take on that yeah. but yeah it is it is wild how much pe- and then there were other people who were like well if i start putting the cart back then the kid whose job it is will lose his job and it's like really that's why you do that do you, like, <laughs> do you also mysteriously you know murder people to keep detectives employed yes. <laughs> i hate that attitude of like well you know it, it's keeping jobs going like no your car was just right there so as someone who worked at, I worked at a grocery store for a little while. There you go. And as a, as a, what's the term for a cart gatherer? Cart specialist. Cart specialist. <laughs> 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 yeah, cart so, artist. I, I really lobbied for that way of phrasing too. Phrasing it. Well, uh, what's what's neat about it too, though, is that on the flip side, there have been so many people. It still happens uh, if I do that joke at a show. People come up to me afterwards and they say, "I put the cart back now because of you." Whoa. Or like, I hear you in my head if I don't put the cart back. So like, unintentionally, I've become like this little angel on people's shoulders. <laughs> that's a strong lesson in uh, that shame does work. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I take away. Cloaked in humor. <laughs> yeah, if it's funny yeah. enough. <laughs> you can guilt people into choosing that's what's right. amazing. And I, on behalf of the grocery cart using community, I want to thank you. Yeah. Yeah. For what you've, what you've done. <laughs> you've made a positive change in the world. Isn't it the worst, though, like when you pull, and I'm not doing a bit here, but like those moments, I think the thing that sparked it for me was actually pulling into, when you're looking for a space and it's Christmas Eve and you finally see a gap and you pull in and it's a shopping cart and you're like, I can't stop my car. <laughs> Move this cart into the, re- and then yes. pull it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's that moment of... That's that's really hostile <laughs> when people are like, I'm just going to do two little wheels up on it, uh-huh. still yeah. taking up the space like it's a motorcycle. Yeah. And now it's even harder for the person gathering it yeah. to <laughs> take it off the half sidewalk in the gravel. Man. That's, yeah. that's really funny. There's that, too. And then there's like when there's just some kind of ooze in the shopping cart. You ever run into that? Like oh, in yeah. the basket area, there's just some kind of identify, yeah. unidentified liquid in there. I noticed that during COVID, when I was waiting in line to get in a Costco for two hours, <laughs> that's what they were they were actually doing for the first time ever. It was like power washing, and then there was a mm-hmm. second spray, like a sanitary spray. And I was like, yeah, 
<laughs> why has this not been happening? Right. Where was this? And now why are we not doing that anymore? Isn't that crazy how COVID's over and people are like, finally, don't have to wash my hands ever. <laughs> yeah. <again."> yeah. <laughs> Glad I, that's done. Yeah. I remember people watching people make food with the mask on. I'm like, yeah, that makes total, Actually, yeah. total sense. <laughs> yeah. But now it's just like, no, let's just breathe over everything again. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, but how are you supposed to say yes, chef, and communicate <laughs> yeah, in the kitchen, at, at the subway. in the high-pressure kitchen if you've got a mask can't, on? Can't hear the mask. The mask. <laughs> well, that, that, I love those. I love those bits because they're hilarious one, but also give me idea, practical ideas of how I can prank people and cause chaos in my community. <laughs> <laughs> um, the bike lock one especially uh has that been put into application by you have you no never actually done it yeah and to me it was more uh and i apologize to society (laughs) (laughs) because i have seen clips since then like people will play the clip and then somebody actually locked up a church one time and i was like that's That's not not what i was going for (laughs) Uh, (laughs) mine was more going like like very the subtext was barely going after like you know corporate america and people are like yeah same thing churches like sure. well no. asking robins yeah. <laughs> yeah. well the idea came from it's not so much like the, i'm not that mischievous uh, externally but it was more just like i was in a home depot and uh, the seed of the idea came when i was walking around going you know we have gun laws but like this whole store is full of weapons. Am I the first (laughs) to think this, right? That they're literally, there's like axes just on shelves that you could take off. Hmm, this is a nice sharp one. And like walk up to the self-checkout with an ax, you know? And so with the, it started out the first, the first couple of times I told it, it was, um, did you know that you could, like you could take a, a padlock and a chain and just, lock up any business and nobody laughed but it was a, it was still it was more that oh that's true <laughs> which is not exactly the reaction that you want but at least i was like i i, I know that i'm like it's landing the idea itself yeah. is resonating so if right. i could just make it funny and so it's just some tweaks of making it a more concrete image less abstract like being specific about the business baskin robbins to me is just a fun Word uh, and then bike lock, you know, is, a, yeah. is so much more succinct than padlock and a chain, you know what I mean? Yeah, and the funny thing to me is that I, I hardly do any act outs, and not that I'm I'm just not like a physical comedic person right. in real right. life, so yeah. it would look very <laughs> contrived if I tried. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And what's crazy is that like I, I write and I rewrite and I rewrite, I love the editing process and like writing out jokes. And the fact that that joke, it got double the laughs once I incorporated the little, you're closed swoosh with my hand. For some reason, like that, that made it hit that much harder. And I was like, angry that that worked. (laughs) (laughs) You have to move. (laughs) Who am I, Jim Carrey? (laughs) I'm going to break a sweat now in a show? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I think it shows how swiftly it can be done. That's what the the hand movement does to me. But to answer your point, uh, 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 on another level, the... um, these are never pranks that I worked out, but what I like to do with a lot of my bits is I like observa- I love observational comedy. I love to find things that nobody has talked about yet. But then 
but then adding on to it, not just like, hey, have you ever noticed this thing, which is very, you know, Brian Regan in a sense and Jerry Seinfeld, right. um, which uh, they're both great. But I also like to add sort of like, have you ever noticed this? But did you know you could also do this with it? And that's right. sort of <laughs> how that started, yeah, with a bike lock joke. So it's more just me fantasizing about yeah. doing crazy stuff. But really, I'm just writing it all down. <laughs> You're the idea, man. Yeah. And then you leave it to the you know, miscreants of society. To I, to well, that. I mean, that makes me sound like uh, Charles Manson. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that you have this bit that's caused so much good with the carts. And then also this, it's like the yin and yang of your comedy, Kellen. It's these two sides. You can't be all good or all bad. There has to be some, some chaos there. Chaos. Yeah. That one, the grocery cart one, there were so many people that came up to me that it got to the point where I was like, I should always include a joke in my set that promotes good. And I tried for a long time to work out a bit about donating blood. Uh-huh. But I think the just blood is such sort of a visceral kind of graphic and a lot of my audience did not come to hear about that. And then you got the act outs of the, that don't work so well. Yeah, that's maybe why it didn't work. You were need, you needed the act out. People just fainting in the crowd. Changing the world. Can you tell us the premise of it? Oh it yeah. Like... Uh yeah, I mean the idea it, it was it was more just based on the um, observations of going there. And uh, the the questionnaire that they ask you, it's, have you ever donated blood? They ask you, like, 50 different things. Yeah. And I'm like, but, I mean, are you just trusting people? <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> like, is this is this all the blood? This is the Proctor test. Yeah, yeah, the people in the hospital, the blood people are receiving is all, like, on the honor system. <laughs> Yeah. Like for sure you guys are testing this. So like and that's like half the process. It takes so long. So my thought is like just let everyone donate blood and then like filter through it yeah. later, right? But meanwhile, <laughs> why are you making something that is already <laughs> difficult for me now even more tedious, you know? Yeah. And adding in this factor of blind trust of the random people that Yeah. Because so, what happens if they're if you're like because they'll they'll ask questions like were you in a foreign country in the last three months and you could just be like no <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like when you take like a personality quiz or something online or like which Disney prince are you not that I've taken that quiz ever <laughs> but who but it's get? like. Uh, Jafar. Which I don't even know that was an option. But, <laughs> That's not even an option of the princess. That's just a... But I'm answering it as if I want to be Prince Eric. When I'm Jafar deep down. My but, question on those I always get is like, the did you take Tylenol yesterday? And I'm like, oh, I'll yeah. take Tylenol if I just think I'm going to get a headache. So I'm always trying to think, <laughs> yeah. I probably did. <laughs> well, like, and also if that's question 46 out of 50, it's like, oh, do I... I already, I, I've already For gone through sure. 40, 45 questions. Am I not going to lie just so that I can finish this <laughs> That's a this good process? point. Yeah, there's like that sunk cost mentality when you get to the <laughs> end of like, yes, 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 where are the free Oreos? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I, I try when, was it during COVID? Well, times were really tough for me financially. And I went to go donate plasma. Hmm. Well, not donate, but exchange my fluids for money i guess right and that's not my favorite way of putting it <laughs> i don't even know what plasma is right? I, don't even... I don't get it either but but yeah i i got in i did the long questionnaire got in there sat down they marked my arm where they're gonna putting putting it in 
And then as she's getting the needle ready, I'm like, so how does the payment process go? And she's like, uh, this is Red Cross. We don't pay you oh, to, no. to do <laughs> plasma. This is just... <laughs> and I got up and left. <laughs> so I... I think I'm the bad guy of that story, but <laughs> that's why you got Jafar. Yeah, the- <laughs> yeah. that was one of the questions. You're like, I'm not just meat. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. That's I. I did the whole thing. We're just talking about plasma this episode, <laughs> Kellen. I did the whole thing where I it was the payment one, and you have to go get a physical. This was back when I was a college student. I just wanted any money I could get. Mm-hmm. I did the physical. Then I go into my first plasma thing. I'm like, all right, this will be sweet. I'll make 50 bucks a week or whatever. People can make some money doing it. Mm. And they spent 45 minutes oh, trying to find my vein. No. And I just have really deep veins. Ugh. And finally, they got a th- in there, and it was just the smallest trickle no. of blood. And the guy was like, are you, are you alive? What's happening right now? And he did it, and he's like, I don't think we can ever have you back. And <laughs> but they were, but he's like, but you can still get paid for this one. I'm like, where was Thank this? you. I think it was in Pro. It was probably right around Drybar. Okay, Pro so Bustle. it was, but it wasn't a. So they Red gave Cross you thing. fifty bucks just for the effort. Just, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. they didn't give hey, even a full buy. Yeah, like, and they give you like a whole credit card that's like they throw the money on too. So I used it, bought lunch twice. And then, <laughs> all right, well that was a day. That's amazing. I like that this started with Kellen saying how people don't like. Talking about blood or think oh, blood yeah. is funny, <laughs> and then we launch into half an hour of blood-related stories. That's we're gonna make it. So you were saying that people, so many people do the lip sync function with that bike thing. So much, tell us a little bit about the ramifications. Yeah, of that. the bike lock bit, especially when sort of viral, I guess you could say, but not not in like the best sense for me because of like the trend that I hope will soon die of <laughs> influencers on TikTok and Instagram uh, lip syncing comedians <laughs> jokes. Is it still happening a I lot? I don't. Hopefully it's dwindling. Like I, I haven't paid attention for a while, but can you imagine? It's just so bizarre to me that it was ever even accepted. Can you imagine if like right when YouTube came out? <laughs> If some if some random guy had just lip synced like eight minutes of Jerry Seinfeld, we would be like, "Who is this psychopath <laughs> yeah. who thinks they're funny?" <laughs> but now it's all over the place, and people comment on these things like, "You're hilarious" to these people that are like just puppeting. And so yeah, so now I get pe- because <laughs> my bike lock bit went, um, you know, the audio people could just take it and use it. Uh, I still get people DMing me now saying, you stole this bit. And they will send a video of some guy like eating chow mein in his kitchen and doing the bit, the bike lock bit. Yeah. With the crowd laughter. With the crowd laughter. It's literally taken from Dry Bar. This whole complex was laughing at it, apparently. (laughs) It's amazing. It doesn't even sound like he's eating chow mein while he's doing this. He's so talented. And the implication there is that you're scouring influencers to steal jokes from. <laughs> Can you imagine a more tedious, terrible thing? Oh, to <laughs> and then they don't even credit me in any of them. Like you could at least do that, and they won't even do that. Yeah, they'll they'll just put something in the caption as if they wrote it. Like, have you ever noticed this about bike locks? Just- I'm like, yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I helped you notice it. That's amazing. Jeez, oh. that's wild. Yeah, I uh, and I, I feel like one of the issues I have with it too is that 
um, and me more so than you, that comedians, we have to overcome our looks sometimes to say, <laughs> to be funny. And that was these really hot people you got jo- taking our funny words. Oh, like, yeah. they already get being hot. We got just got the jawlines and chins yeah. of the world. <laughs> Not the yes. chow main guy, probably. But. <laughs> <laughs> Unless he was like a bodybuilder I mean, chow yeah. main guy. Chow main I'm guy. Chow main. Honestly, uh, chow main guy sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> He's no, like a funny guy. No offense, Callum, but he sounds <laughs> he sounds pretty awesome. Um, so you you do all these bits, but you say you're not a necessarily mischievous person. Nah, no, not at all. So no. that wasn't kind of you weren't an impish lad back in back in your younger days. No, <laughs> I just like clever jokes, clever stories, and like uh, being able to to tell a joke or share an idea where someone is like, I never thought of that before. To me, it's like it's like an extra little reward that you can get, you know, from yeah. uh, from a joke. Yeah. Yeah, because for your first dry bar, dry bar special watching it, it's like he's spreading a lot of chaos, and I love it. Even just pushing the milk back or <laughs> oh, you, sure, you like yeah. four different bits where I'm like, if <laughs> yeah. everyone started doing this, society might break down. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's another example of that. I'd be like, yeah, have you ever noticed milk on that shelf? And that you could push it off and it would disappear. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. So never done it. I would feel horrible. Yeah, like exactly. I'm very right. empathetic, and so it doesn't make sense that I'm sharing these. Maybe grocery sh- stores should hire you. Just worst case scenario planning. <laughs> like, like when they free some like a, a thief, a jewel thief from prison, right? So that they can help uh, strengthen security systems. Yeah, yeah. Be a safe. Cracker for the safe cracker company yeah, for the yeah. safe company. Yeah, here's what I would do. You're behind yeah. all the dairy products. You need pillows down here. Yeah, you walk into the grocery store and you're like, when the milk becomes working. flying back, he's working. <laughs> you need little handcuffs for people in their carts so they can handcuff it to themselves. So nobody else is stealing it. <laughs> Whatever you can do to it's going to happen a lot. That's, That's funny. That's great. I. Well, I, another place I've seen you, and this kind of relates to what we're talking about, is the chosen ads where you play the devil. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I did, a, yeah. Do you think that mischievous persona that you have on stage with this stuff led you into that role? Sure. I mean, yeah. The <laughs> and we'll show, we can show a brief little clip of that. Sure. So I mean, um, I don't know if it was J- Dallas Jenkins' idea, a creator of The Chosen, but he... Uh, sort of found discovered me on on dry bar and uh i was in contact with him for a bit um and yeah he definitely mentioned that to me that, that i fit which i don't know if that's a compliment <laughs> i have yeah. a perfect role for yeah, you. yeah you find that you're typecast for the worst person in history yeah. but uh, i i had some fun doing that those ad campaigns for uh for a little bit there uh, I also did Punch Up on the the Chosen. That was when I first met Dallas. He knew me oh, from really? my stand up, and he asked me. It was before the Chosen was anything. Before it was even they had even cast it. It was just four scripts of four episodes, and he said, "Could you take a look at this Jesus TV show and add some jokes?" And I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> oh, dream job. <laughs> Sounds easy." <laughs> That's. That's hilarious. Was that yeah. fun or was it stressful? No, it was, to find, it was actually it was actually a fun challenge, and uh, they didn't use a lot of my stuff, and he didn't hire me back. But, <laughs> <laughs> but he was nice about it afterwards because he said that 
and maybe this was just a really nice way of saying no. He said that it, to them, it, uh, a few of my jokes opened a door as to what they could do with the show. Because there is levity in that show that you don't see in any other sort of Jesus Sunday school, right. you know, Bible videos that you grew up with. And one of have you guys watched the show, The, the Chosen? <laughs> uh, yeah. So in the first episode, the crazy thing is, as the devil, during that devil ad campaign, Dallas wanted me to roast the entire first episode, like Mystery Science Theater 3000. <laughs> and he's like, really push it. And I was like, I don't think you know what push it means for yeah. me. <laughs> so I'll hold back a little bit. So we do it. I think I did it. Uh, I may have done a live stream of it as a devil. I, I, I roast the whole thing. And at one point, I make fun of... I think it's Simon who's get, he's in a fist fight, and he says to the guy he's fighting, he says something like, uh, they call me wine hands because I'm going to destroy your liver. And as the, <laughs> devil, as the devil doing this ad campaign, I was like, well, that, what kind of a modern-day joke did they slip it? Like they knew what alcohol did <laughs> yeah. or what a liver was. All right. right and then right. someone reminded me afterwards – I wrote that joke. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> so you were roasting yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. There weren't any peer-reviewed studies on livers back then. That's a weird out-of-body experience to have. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You've never heckled yeah, yeah. yourself before. <laughs> that's amazing. I hear in the new season that I, I think um, Luke lip-syncs your bike lock joke. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Gets a big laugh. <laughs> That's funny. That's great. You looked the. I, I liked all the makeup they did on you, the horns and stuff. You you looked the part. Yeah, that was a good together. time. It was also kind of sad because it was a it was a, an amazing, handsome, realistic wig that I got to put on, and I was like, oh, this is what I could look like. <laughs> if you were evil, yeah, <laughs> you, dude, that's that could be your future. <laughs> Sell your soul. That's where you are. Well, that's great. So I want to hear a little bit about your uh, background in comedy, where you started, and. And how you found your way on stage for the first time. That's none of your business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's actually, we can move on. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast just ends. Yeah, where I started in comedy. Yeah, how to get yeah. going. Because you're such a, you are a meticulous joke writer. Sure. Yeah, and yeah. like you said, you really like sitting down and looking at the jokes and finding just the small things you can turn to make it funnier. So yeah, tell us about what inspired you to start comedy. Who some of your guys were that you watched? Sure, yeah. Um, I um, the first person who stuck out to me. So I grew up with like uh, Bill Cosby cassette tapes and like Steve Martin. You know the classic things that we yeah. grew up with before we knew that anyone was a, a villain, right? Um, but it, but it was like uh, Cosby and uh, um, I forget the other one. It may have been uh, uh, you can edit out this dead air. <laughs> It actually may have just been Cosby. And I actually never thought that he was that funny. I'm not just saying that to sound cool. <laughs> oh, you knew before. Yeah. Huh? You said something was <laughs> off about him. That's great. But that's what I knew as stand-up comedy. And then when I was 12 or 13, um, I had a friend give me a pirated cassette tape of a Steve Stephen Wright album. Oh, okay. He's only done two albums. The first one is called I Have a Pony. And then he released the second one 20 years later called I Still Have a Pony. That's incredible. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's 
great. So he's this great one-liner comic, and um, it just blew my mind. Like, I had no idea that comedy could be this thing. And so that's what got me really excited about it. That's what sparked it for me. Like, I knew at that point that I wanted to try it at some point. I wish that I had the story that so many people have of, like, I heard a Steve Martin record when I was three, and that's when I knew. <laughs> I was going to be, you know, that's the story of Robin Williams or whatever, you know. Yeah. I I always had, I don't know, I've always been maybe in, insecure. And so that applies to my dreams where I'm just like, one day I'll try it once. That was like, <laughs> that was the goal. Yeah. And so eventually, um, long story short, it took me till I was, I think, 22 that I went to my, my first open mic. And uh, I had one one joke hit, the rest bombed. But it was that one joke that propelled me. And I've heard similar stories from a lot of other comics. And I do wonder for people who bomb the first time and never do it again, like if that had happened to me, if I didn't happen to have get lucky with one joke. Because your first set ever, that is luck. Yeah, if it's uh-huh. an actual open mic with no one that you know and something actually hits out of the first five minutes you've ever written, that's just dumb luck. So luckily, I think that's what propelled me through the next like 30 or so mics because you know you just bomb and bomb when you start. I think about it too. My first time went really well, and I was like overconconfident. Oh sure. And then I bombed like the next four times. But I think I think about the same thing. If, if I would have bombed the first, been, or bombed yeah. like three times, and if I tried yeah. three times, which it's not that uncommon for somebody to bomb three times at an open mic. You no, know? yeah. So and you probably had the thought that I did of like in my subsequent bombings, I was like. I mean, they don't know how good I am because <laughs> I have this joke. You should have seen me two weeks kills. ago, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think you sort of need that mix of like a lack of self-awareness. You sort of need that delusion when you start because if I had been like a healthy self-aware, I don't think I ever would have continued. <laughs> you have this sort of false confidence that is sort of an armor that takes you through what was not objectively a really fun period of my comedy right. career. <laughs> That's a good point. I often tell people when they ask about like doing comedy, I'm like, I think there's something a little bit wrong when you're beginning comedy to want to keep doing it, even if it's terrible <laughs> and what your explanation makes sense. But I'm always telling people I'm like, cause some people are just like the funny guy at work and it's like, you should go do an open mic funny guy at work and everyone animal. goes yeah. and they bomb. And they're like, well, I'm never doing that again. That was terrible. <laughs> yeah. But there's something in us. that's like, that was terrible. And I just want to get back up. And do it again. <laughs> do you remember? And I don't want to pry mm-hmm. cause I've already pried enough, <laughs> but He's a, <laughs> the, the prag guy over here. Uh, your first joke, your first joke that did well. Yeah, the first joke that did well was, um, I said, oh, so dumb. <laughs> but I think it's just a visual, if anything. I said, I I got kicked out of a Halloween party for showing up naked wearing just a red T-shirt. Guess no one had heard of Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> see, solid. you see the joke coming. You know, it's not a great, but it was good enough. The people picturing me half naked. <laughs> what was the act out for that one? Though? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what about you, Jordan? What yeah. was your what first? Was your first My first. I mean, joke. well, you had a full set that, that killed. Hit. Oh yeah. Yeah, the whole thing was pretty top notch. <laughs> I've honestly never topped it from the beginning. <laughs> You've been chasing that high. No, yeah. I had a whole joke about. Uh, there's still a line I use in one of my jokes that I did Whoa. my very first time, and I've made it better. But I did a joke. It's so silly re- recapping it about uh, that the, the Earth is getting closer and closer to the sun, and that redheads need to be 
more like I heard people saying it or it's getting closer. And so I did some research to find out it's not actually getting like, it, it's always kind of moving back and forth. Mm. And in the article it said, nobody needs to stress. Everyone will be fine. But then I noticed there was an asterisk next to everyone. And I went down to the bottom of the page and I said, everyone will be fine except redheads. They will disintegrate into a pile of cinnamon sugar. That's <laughs> so the only thing I use. I will sometimes say, I can't be outside too long or else I'll disintegrate into a pile of cinnamon sugar. That's the reason. That's People equate redheads with cinnamon sugar. It's pretty abstract. After seeing your two responses, I'm going to burn. No, I, I love that connection. Sure. Cinnamon sugar. It was just in the shadow of the Winnie Pooh joke. It fell, yeah. fell flat. It was such a long, looking back, I'm like, that's such a long explanation to get to this one joke. But that's, I mean, oh, yeah. that's what you learn. You know, something that's really uh, helped me. I've never been like a huge fan. I'm a fan of Jerry Seinfeld in the sense of like his work ethic and his joke structure. I find when I listen to him or watch him, I never like laugh out loud. I just I just sort of appreciate what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so uh-huh. I wouldn't be good in his audience. He is, but he is sort of a comedy guru. He knows what he's doing. But something that really tightened my joke writing was reading his book. He has a book called "Is This Anything?" I heard that's really good. I have that. Yeah. yeah. Have that book. And so it's it's just it was just seeing this concrete image of every joke is like one line or two. That's how much space it takes up before it before the punchline, and then yeah. the next one is two lines, and the next one, and just seeing like even poems. a full bit, even a full bit is made up, is essentially made up of of one liners. And I was like, how have I not? approached it this way like it really does help even i would say even if you work out all of your material on stage it's so it helps so much to write it all out and see oh yeah this could be this you know it sort of holds you to this or to me like this this new standard of like this is how concise i could be Mm -hmm. because for sure i have i have a joke it was one of my favorite jokes but it takes 40 seconds to get to the punchline yeah it was the i I had this joke about um how the map of the united states i could probably tell it in five seconds the idea is the map of the united states looks like someone was given a job to divide this space up into 50 sections and they were way too confident about the space up front. <laughs> like that was the idea, but I, I made it for some reason into this long story of like, so this guy, he gets this assignment, this other, his boss says, you know, there's this, I want you to fill in the outline of the country. You have to use a pen, 50 States, um, start from left to right. Uh, and then the guy says, oh, yeah, there's plenty of room. So that was the big punchline. Oh, yeah, there's plenty of room. And then working out on your head, oh, yeah, it gets smaller to right, the end. Right. Um, but that's one that I look back on. And I was so proud of it for so long. But even though, like, it gets to a point of diminishing returns where no matter how great that punchline is, if you've now gone like a full minute without a laugh, <laughs> yeah, it's like you've bombed three jokes in a row and then told a good one. Yeah, and the expectation builds for this final absolutely, joke. it had better be worth it. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. I feel like that's kind of an expectation with like classic jokes. That Pete, like a grandpa might tell, or yeah, or like you tell like around a campfire where you're there's a huge setup, like a man comes home to his wife and his wife sure. is curling her hair, and then all these 
keep extraneous details. <laughs> and, um, what else do women do? Uh, <laughs> I was curling her hair, and the husband <laughs> says, you've been curling your hair ever since I left for work this morning. And she says, well... <laughs> I'm dressed like Winnie the Pooh. And that's, I don't know. You do but yeah, and those are like comedy, meant right? to be sort of disappointing at the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will say you did you did that because I watched your special this morning. You did you do that outline joke on there, but it gets a big laugh. Oh, I forgot that it was on that. And yeah. Then, but man, if I was going to go back, I could probably re-edit just the footage and make it keep the funny and have it be yeah. half as long. Yeah. No, it's funny because it, I, I like that joke though because you see the audience realizing in your head because you never explicitly say why it looks like this. You say right. it does, and then they're visualizing it. And that's that's another thing that I love too. And I'm not shooting my own hair, but it's some, some a type of comedy that I love. It, it's hard to actually like get to it on purpose, but I love when I discover a joke that accomplishes it. That like at Pixar they call it never say four, say two plus two, because it's it's reward instead of being on the nose about something. There's like an extra again reward to a joke if you if the punchline is also something that the audience has to solve, take a second yeah. to solve because it's almost this like euphoria of, ah, I, I figured it out. Like with the, along right. with the laughing. Um, and, and aside from that, to me, it's just funnier than, than saying, doesn't it look like he didn't have a lot of room and he thought he did, but then in the end he didn't. That's what the United States is, you know, uh, just like, <laughs> <laughs> but then just stop. I have another joke where, uh, I, uh, I say, it's about a, a Roomba and the, the idea that there are square, like, uh, rivals to the, <laughs> the Roomba. And because uh, it did happen in a Costco where a guy had, he was trying to sell them the, the square ones. And he, I said, I have a Roomba as I was walking by, just trying not to engage. And then he said, Does it get the corners? And so then I stopped and I looked down. I was just so angry. <laughs> That he got me with yeah. this line of "Does it get the corners?" and so mm-hmm. it's this square one. And so the in the joke, I uh, I talk about uh, how that process must have been, or, or, or the the insane idea that they thought more people are going to buy this because it's square. Because none of us care. No, like no one was complaining about the fact <laughs> that it's a circle. No one was like, "Yeah, it doesn't get the corners. Call me back when it's a rhombus." <laughs> And then the end of the joke I said, which I actually said to the guy, which is like, I'm never confrontational in public. And this is one of the few times where I've like came up with the thing in public. I, for some reason, it's easier on stage, but I'm very introverted. So with people in public, I just, yeah. I'm the, I'm just like everyone else. I think of the thing I should have said yeah. at night. But that day, after he said, does he get the corners? I said, I live in a lighthouse. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. And I was so proud of that. I I tell so few like stories on stage, but I told that one. But I love that joke because it doesn't get an explosive laugh. Sometimes it, it's like half the audience, and then it sort of builds. But I see people turning and going because it's. <laughs> Yeah, but for me, I enjoy that. Even if it doesn't get a huge laugh, at least I'm trying to implement this thing of like not spelling it out, you know? Right? Because the the four would be like the opposite. Two plus two would be like it's. I live in a house that's a circle. Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah, then like, people would be like, "Oh, I nah. see." And yeah, 
Not me, sir. I live oh, in a circle. Ge- geometry. Okay. All right. Lighthouse. Also, what I love about that is the vi- it also brings to me the vision of you living in a lighthouse, which <laughs> sure. is a hilarious idea on, on its own. It seems fitting for you, actually. <laughs> me, it seems fitting for you. What are me? you talking about? Why? Yeah. I don't know. Do redheads live in lighthouses? Because <laughs> no, you, you're like you have like a you know I guess a true. fisherman oh, look oh, to you. True. You know, yeah. I'm actually, I can just picture you staring out of the lighthouse. <laughs> <And> maybe, <laughs> maybe a house with... keeping an eye on. It. <laughs> lighthouses are perfect for observational comedy. <laughs> <laughs> and Jordan, for you, I'm picturing a pretty dark house yeah. that you live in. Yeah, you're not exposed to a lot of no, light. No, no, no. I imagine. Underground. <laughs> I'm the guy. You're my boss. I'm the yeah, guy that yeah. has to go and light the thing. Oh, all right. I'll yeah, be down you're the here. sailor coming in from the sea, <laughs> and he's. Yeah. Should we remake the movie The Lighthouse? But I play. <laughs> all right. I, who was, I forget. The, well, I'll be Willem Dafoe, and you'll be <laughs> Mermaid. I don't know if you ever saw that insane movie. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. That's funny. Do you have? Because uh, you're talking about like how many laughs. How much space you can get before a laugh? Do you actively look like I need to laugh every twenty seconds or something, or what's kind of your goal when you're writing? It? I've never been that deliberate. I've heard about comics that are. And yeah. To me, I, I think I've never wanted to be super formulaic about it. But it's more, it's more just the idea that uh, I read in a writing book. It may have been on writing by Stephen King that he, uh, when you hear the word concise, like we first think short. But concise, actually, the definition of concise means the shortest version. Mm-hmm. So it means it could be a longer thing, but it's still just it's trimming all of the fat. Yeah. So rather than going for like jokes per minute, which I, I still objectively think is important. Right. Um, the, but the way I go after it is uh, every tag it's got, it's just got to be as short as it can possibly be. And if I can't figure out a way to not make it wordy, then I cut it. So that's that's more uh, the goal is to make everything just um, so that the laughter is like waves, you know, so that you're always, you're starting the next joke as one stop. Chad Daniels to me is one of the greatest, mm. most um, joke-dense comics, right? and you listen to his pattern. And again, not something to try and emulate, because I think it's weird to reverse engineer someone else's work, but to, uh, he's someone that I admire for his skill in doing that. And honestly, Dave Chappelle is the opposite. He mm-hmm. is he can be so long-winded. I love some of the ideas he discusses. Right. I love his energy. But boy, talking about I, I do think he charms his way out of a lot of jokes, like in the in a good way. Um, but he remains compelling just because of his his presence. He's a great because, storyteller. Yes. but it's right. Sometimes it's an entire story to get to one punchline. Exactly, it can take so long to get there, and it's not always as brilliant as drawing the United States with a pen. <laughs> <laughs> They're not all home runs with Chappelle. You heard it here. <laughs> He's our next. Chappelle. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's actually waiting outside to come right in for our next. <laughs> Yeah, we've, no, we've got a three-hour podcast. <laughs> yeah, we, we booked out the rest of the evening. <laughs> I will say it's interesting that you're not as like saying you're not as quick-witted in person because your first special, there's a lot of it that's you responding to audience stuff that's super funny, like Thanks, a, a yeah. big chunk when yeah. you're talking mm-hmm. about weird high school mascots, mascots. and stuff. Like I was really impressed with it because I, str- I, I, it's all it's so fun when that happens on stage when you have a quick response. 
and it's awful when you wish you did. <laughs> so oh yeah, I was, I was very impressed that you did it on that special. It was good. Well, I enjoy that. that that's something I, I love about about comedy. Like to, for me, that it keeps me present. So I really enjoy riffing, and I enjoy not just crowd work, but like. Um, asking questions that will supply unique answers because I also think the audi- audiences aren't dumb and I, I have a hard time with crowd work that you see that is so obviously contrived because the comedian knows they're going to get an answer back mm-hmm. and so that's why with the high school mascots thing I used to do I would ask that because ultimately you do get like you know bears and wildcats and all of those things and I think that if I had a joke out of the gate for bears and eagles and panthers right. and like most of the crowd would be like well yeah I'm sure you always hear these ant-, you know what I mean right and so that's what I enjoy about it is like I had no idea I wouldn't have been able to predict that I would hear stuff like beat diggers <laughs> right? oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and to and the audience as well would not know but even then you still get people in the comments who will not leave it alone people in the comment again i don't read them anymore because <laughs> i have been so hurt <laughs> but in the comments for that one because that 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 clip did pretty well as well people in the comments some people would say stuff like comedians plant people in the audience all the time oh. like they do <laughs> Like, I've been doing these for almost 20 years. I haven't met a single comic who has right. ever done that, you know? That's and amazing. the fact that, oh, so I planted, like, 14 of them in this. All right, so, uh, you know, you know, you, you know the cue. The most expensive traveling act. Like, <laughs> <what>? <laughs> That's my entourage. Yeah. Four guys. I got yeah. a, Doesn't matter. My I got media. a Wildcats guy. I got a Beat Diggers guy. <laughs> I will say, because you say you don't like act outs either. Your act out for this, because somebody said syrup makers. In the oh, yeah. and you did a fantastic syrup making guy standing there. That was uh, yeah, that was a, a lucky mime that I did not know if it would work or not. <laughs> it's <laughs> never really done that before. <laughs> that yeah. that hammering um, a tree, hooking up a bucket. Yeah, <laughs> right, just standing right. there. <laughs> no, that I mean that that like premise or question about high school mascots is funny. On its own, rather than asking people like what your occupation is or something, everybody knows weird high school mascots. So I think it's a great, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, it was a great, it was a great ride. I did that for three or four years, and I got one of the greatest ones. Honestly, I didn't like it when I got like a really funny one because then I couldn't really do anything Mm -hmm. with it. I like the ones that were sort of mundane. Like the uh, what was what was another one like the russets, Russet, yeah. which was right. like I didn't know someone yelled out it's a potato and I like dealing with that. Yeah. But the best one that I didn't even need a joke for was this woman came from this, the high school. Their mascot it was plural. It was the Supermen, and <laughs> she was on the softball team. And the softball team was the Lady Supermen. <laughs> There's only another way we could make this more concise. <laughs> How do you, can you imagine that? Just a room of like eleven ed- male, you know, <laughs> school advisors. How do we do this? Ah, the hyphen. That's yes, so funny, <laughs> Lady Superman. That's incredible. Jeez, where is that? Do you know where that school is? I don't. Yeah, I have to look it up. <laughs> I'm sure if... they've changed it at this point. Yeah, right. Yeah. right. 
Because there I, are other people like I, I got every once in a while the like the blue midgets or the green midgets, and for sure those have been can't, changed. Can't have those anymore. Yeah. That's wild. I mean, the Superman thing is copyright infringement on top of everything, so it's like. I wonder if that's out. why it was plural. Like, we can do it if it's an E instead of an A. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah that's yeah. interesting. That's funny. I, going back to your dry bar, because you recorded, like, the first season of dry bar, right? Is that when you did Yeah, I was, like, the fifth or sixth person to do it. Oh, that's yeah. wild. Did you have a sense, like, how, what, how was your experience doing it? Where Did you know how big this was going to be, or was it all just... I was the only one who knew. <laughs> that's what I thought. Uh, I was... <laughs> I can see that glint in your eye. Confident stage, that yeah. one day... <laughs> Uh, no, yeah, I know. I have the same story of a lot of other people. Of like, it seemed like a great offer um, to to get paid to shoot the best quality video that I, that I would ever have access to up to that point. Um, and so, yeah, it just it seemed like a win win right. because also, I mean, here's the here's the truth, Jeffrey Harmon. I <laughs> <laughs> I loved the offer. But it also seemed like a win-win to me because if this whole idea tanked and the website died two months in, at least I still got a tape out of it. That's honestly how Mm -hmm. how I felt about it. But then luckily, you know, it uh, it blew up in a way that I never never would have predicted Um, and, uh, yeah, helped out. Did you get... Did you do late night stuff before Dry Bar? Or was that after Dry Bar? Or was that connected at all? It was, was actually that? it was actually in parallel with oh, it. Really? It was yeah, it was a, it was a good year. But I want to say I might have even submitted um, the raw Dry Bar footage before they had even put a special out. I, I think it was that footage that I that I sent to uh, to all the late nights and uh, Conan picked it up. Yeah, that's cool. So that was. How was that experience doing? Conan's like my favorite guy. To do. It was amazing. It was like it was everything that you think it's going to be. Yeah, I I had a a wonderful time, and uh, not a great time on a couple of other late night uh, shows, but that one was. Didn't uh, call anybody it, out. It was great. To the camera. <laughs> uh, Kimmel, but Conan. <laughs> now Jimmy Kimmel was actually wonderful, but the show is set up in a terrible way. Oh, Just right. not not really friendly to to comics and the way the sound is mixed. And it sounds like an excuse. I can only explain it to other comics where it it wasn't. It's not an excuse because I'll talk about a hundred other times that I bombed, but I didn't bomb on the show. I didn't bomb at the taping on Kimmel. But the way that they mix the sound is the audience is so much quieter. I noticed it on the Tonight Show too. They still mm. do it. And it's it's more of like the sound guy just has never done comedy. I think that's what it is. And well, we got to really hear the comedian. That's what's right. important is the comedian's voice rather than uh, the the sound. It actually it actually happened on my the first cut of Dry Bar that I got. The first edit that I got it was a note that I gave. So I think it's just a natural thing if you've never done comedy right. to just pull right. the audience back because it sounds like this other thing. And it's like no, this is we're, we're all one uh-huh. in this. And it's okay if you don't quite understand the first word of my next setup because that laughter is what gives it this force. And honestly, like watching it on a tiny screen, you have to have more you know yeah. help in a way that that energy and so kimmel if you watch it and this is how i can prove that i did well on this show <laughs> if you watch it which i don't recommend if you watch it um the jokes every joke got last but you know how like i was saying earlier the, the when you pace it out you wait till the laughs die but you don't wait till they die completely mm-hmm. right you, want you keep start rolling. the next joke as it's going and you just sort of it's this uh it's this pacing that the audience doesn't know it when it's going right but they will when it's going wrong. So when you watch it, because the audience is so low, it then just looks at like after every joke, 
I'm, <laughs> I'm waiting like anyone else. Anyone so else going to laugh? I, okay. Yeah. Here's the next one. Like, that's oh, how no. it feels. And so it's just, it's so painful to watch. I only watched half of it once. I've never watched the whole oh, thing. That's rough. That's well, actually, we got it no, right here. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> and that was... What's that? Oh, no, no, go ahead. Go that ahead. was actually when I stopped reading comments because people were so horrible about it. This guy's really? bombing. This guy sucks. One guy actually said, avoid this comedian at all costs. Oh, man. <laughs> at all costs? <laughs> like, what's happening yeah, in this guy's I... life? <laughs> Drop everything. Yeah. Uh, so, leave your family. Work to Baskin Robbins. Man. <laughs> yeah. You were asking about Conan. So in a nutshell, I had a, I had a great time, and it was so surreal and beautiful to be on the other side of that curtain. Well, it was like a panel at the time. And to hear Conan say what I'd heard a hundred times, so cool. please welcome to making his late-night debut, and then my name plugged into yeah, that. Yeah. That was the, the most incredible moment. And when I went out there, and... uh I wasn't as nervous as I thought I was going to be. I was scared like the the week before, but once I got out there, told the first joke, it's like you hear that it's like that, and it really is. Once the first joke lands, it just felt like a show to these people in this room, yeah. mm-hmm. and it was fantastic. And after that, it's so foggy to me because he came up to me, probably the most starstruck I've ever been. Like right. as a comic, you start working with comedians pretty quickly, like bigger people but this is the guy who has comedians on his show you know what i mean yeah. and i looked up to him since i was like nine years old so for him to like tower over to me and shake my hand That's with so his cool. giant hands and <laughs> 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 yeah it was uh, it was amazing and then also that night i was i was scared that i don't know what the odds are i was scared that um leonardo dicaprio was going to be there because i had a joke about him in the revenant <laughs> <laughs> you do that one in your preferred special too. Yeah, <laughs> about essentially, like people say, like greatest actor of all time. Can you believe he did that? Like, I don't disagree with the actor part, but yes, I can believe he did it <laughs> for twenty million dollars. Yeah. I would do all of that. Yeah. Uh, so that was the joke. So, but what ended up happening is that Aaron Paul was on the show, and he is the only person that people have said that I resemble. Yeah, I can see and that. And so I didn't want it to then when I was there it to seem like. Is this some weird joke? Because he left. Like, guests never leave on that show. They stay on the couches, right? That's what Conan does. One guest comes on, the next guest comes on, the next guest, and then pretty soon everyone is there on the couches together. Well, he had to leave because his wife is pregnant. And she was like, do. And so he left. So I didn't want it to look like he leaves the show and then some (laughs) bizarre lookalike. Comes around the corner, like, here's some jokes. You know, like, is this a Conan sketch? Because it sounds like a Conan sketch. You're dressed you know? like Jesse Pinkman with and the so- beanie and stuff <laughs> to come out. Yo, Conan. <laughs> but an amazing moment happened before I went, like, 10 minutes before I, I, I was called out to the stage because he was on and then having to leave. He walked by the green room door, which was open, and uh, he just sort of leans in and he goes, Hey, good luck, man. And I feel like, I don't know if he did, I feel like both of us looked at each other for longer than we should have. <laughs> and then he left. <laughs> That's amazing. When you see your doppelganger, it's a harrowing experience, actually. Yeah, I mean, when you ran into Philip Seymour Hoffman, I remember that. It was like a... 
<laughs> uh, credit to Josh Novi for that. Yeah. For that one. What, or, that, I really got that in high school. That's yeah. a, that's not a great one credit, for a high school kid to get. Credit the high school bowling, <laughs> like I guess, Philip number Seymour one. Hoffman. But Josh Novi said Or that what one. about when you stepped on the, in an elevator with Mr. Beast? How did that work? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> I, used, I used to get uh, Harry Styles. Oh, and, no. and now I'm missed. And now I'm no, I can see that. I can see Harry no, I think styles. I think they actually said your hair needs styling. That's what they're saying. If you see this, <sighs> to be too, honest, and I'm too hairy. I see what you did. <laughs> to be honest, Mr. Beast, he looks like if you let yourself go. It is, it is a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the only one who needs an attractive doppelganger. <laughs> well, we're super excited. Dad, both have you on the podcast and have you recording another special tonight. I am. Yeah, yeah. Can I plug my podcast? I have a oh, podcast. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. You and if maybe if you guys could plug it at the beginning, that actually helps a lot, too, if okay. you want to yeah. do that in the edit. Yeah. It's called The Book Pile. It's a comedy podcast. I always have to say that <laughs> when I say it's about books. Like, wait, 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 wait. Stay awake. <laughs> it's a comedy podcast about books. And it's, uh, yeah, it's me and Dave Vance. He's a brilliant writer. I wrote on Studio C for people familiar with that. But he also reads 150 books a year, and I read less than that. But (laughs) every Monday we come out with another book, and uh, sometimes we roast books. We've roasted the Twilight series, The Da Vinci Code, and recently, probably my favorite episode we've ever done, we roasted the novelization of the movie Transformers. (laughs) (laughs) And it's even worse than you think it is going to be. Yeah, it is fantastic. How many words is that book? Is that that like triple spaced or something? (laughs) A lot of it is... (laughs) 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 A lot of onomatopoeias in that (laughs) one. Yeah, check it out. The Book Pile. It's uh, it's worth it. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Anything, any other upcoming shows or anything else you want to plug before mm-hmm. we get out of here? Uh, KellenErskine.com is where, where my dates are. But yeah, super excited about this set that I'm doing tonight. Uh, particularly a, a little little thing I'm doing at the end that I don't think has been done on any of these. Nothing crazy, no props. Wow. Um, but yeah, just a little teaser so you'll watch it. But it's a real thing, too. Wait, wait, <laughs> it's not can like can a... you tell us off air? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need to know now. <laughs> and I will be doing more. I have uh, new crowd work with new questions, so I'm, I'm excited oh, about awesome. whatever is going to happen tonight. Yeah. Hey, that's exciting. Yeah. Beautiful. Very Beautiful. Cool. Or if you just do the mascot stuff again and see what new mascots. <laughs> just <laughs> another mascot special. <laughs> oh, can you imagine how deflating that would be for so many people? If I just sort of repeated the same, oh, oh, uh, 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 syrup maker? Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. What What would a syrup maker do? That guy in the comments that called you out for having plants. <laughs> See, I knew it. I told you to <laughs> avoid it. him at all costs. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on guys. Yeah, the yeah. Robert Cotton Podcast. Very cool. Um, We're signing off? I think. I think this is it. Okay. Beautiful. Hey, make sure to check out drybarcomedy.com for merch and upcoming shows and the latest specials. Um, Kellens will be out sometime soon. Ooh. (laughs) Just in time for Christmas. Just in time for New Year's. Just in time for Valentine's Day. However, that works That's out. That's great. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that we'll, from we'll now on. Cut That's that works for. That's great. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We will see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>